What is up, everybody? Pete Kennedy here of Subway Sports Talk. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate you all the same. Real quick, before we get to the intro and my co-host for the day, Kyle Anderson, to talk all things March Madness and NBA post-trade deadline. I couldn't just come up in here with a, a, a podcast where I talk about basketball and the NBA specifically. We even mentioned the Knicks and not talk about that devastating loss to the Timberwolves. We've recorded this before the Knicks game tonight, so after watching the Knicks game tonight, I come away frustrated, as most of you, I am sure, are. The lack of closing on this team is an issue. It's something that I've talked about numerous times on this podcast. Julius Randle has done a mighty fine job to be a true number one closer this year. I think we all can sit here confidently and say Julius Randle has been incredible in pretty much every facet possible this year. That being said, is he a true number one closer level guy? I pause and I let you think about it. And I think the answer is no, right? He's proven to be pretty much a number one level option on a solid team for this team to reach ultimate peaks you're going to need to have a guard or wing who can do a little bit more creating for himself and others in those late-game situations. R.J. Barrett is probably three years away from being close to that guy. He shows signs. Tonight he did take a really, really tough contested step back with Carlton Towns chasing him down despite having a pretty good game in general. So the shooting and lack of closing ability on the offensive side of the ball becomes an issue yet again for the New York Knicks. And is it an issue in the sense that, like, it's going to be the flaw of this team forever? No. But that is something that when you watch this team, it just stands out. You know, you see Alfred Payton, you don't want him touching the ball uh, with 35 seconds left in the fourth quarter in a close game. R.J. Barrett, you say, let's see what happens, but you're not feeling too confident. Julius Randle, you actually feel decently confident, but if he's the only real guy we have confidence in right now to make those types of plays, we're not in the best of places. And the Minnesota Timberwolves are frisky. They really are. The Knicks played good defense for a lot of the night. But when it comes down to it, even a bad team like the Timberwolves have Carl Anthony Towns, Malik Beasley, and a rookie in Anthony Edwards who are all confident creating for themselves with 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter of a close game. And obviously... The Timberwolves are very flawed and not a very good team. But from that particular standpoint, I think I would say the Timberwolves have better late shot clock makers than the Knicks do. That's not an insult to the Knicks per se, because Towns could be that good. Anthony Edwards has proven a lot, and Malik Beasley is no slouch. But if the Knicks want to be this defensive juggernaut, where that is their true closer, right? The defense holding people to around 100 points, if that's going to be your MO, your identity, closing is going to be imperative for this team. So unless the offense takes an awful, awfully large step forward to become a team where you win by 7-8 points more often, this is going to be a very important part of the Knicks' future, especially under a coach like Tom Thibodeau. So as you see the defense becoming the focal point to this team, That leads me to see more and more of these close late-game situations where you coulda, shoulda put it away, and you didn't quite do so. 
So you're in this situation where you need a shot with 10 seconds on the clock. You need a shot, five seconds, ball out of bounds. That's not the best place to be, especially when you are the New York Knicks right now are not that good at it. So it's not the world is ending, the sky is falling, obviously. The 24 and 24 record we have right now is very strong. It's something to be proud of and confident with. But that is one thing looking forward for me when we get to the offseason. That is the priority. Closer. And closing doesn't always just mean less than a minute left in the fourth quarter. It could mean three minutes left in the fourth quarter, four and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. When you just put your foot on the throat of the opposing team and say, that's it, no run, you're not getting a couple threes in a row and all of a sudden you're up two, that's not going to happen. I'm not letting it happen. I don't know if that person was available in the trade market. I don't think it was Victor Oladipo. It obviously isn't Andre Drummond or anything like that, or even LaMarcus Aldridge for that matter. It's not even Lonzo Ball at this point in time. So to the further conversation that Kyle and I get into with what the Knicks did or didn't do at the trade deadline, I'm okay with it because that guy wasn't available right now. Maybe, just maybe, he could be available this offseason or moving forward. Who knows? It could be Carl Anthony Towns, right? That's something fun to say because he's from Jersey and he liked the Knicks. So you never I'm not saying nothing, but you never know. There could be greener pastures than what just happened at the trade deadline or didn't happen at the trade deadline for the New York Knicks. But that is the key priority. Also, we have opening day today, MLB opening day right now. I assume you're listening to this on Thursday. Maybe you're getting to it on Friday. That's great. We don't really talk baseball for the rest of the episode because we want that first weekend to play out, and then Alec and Andrew and myself will be back next week to talk You know, all things Mets and Yankees. It'll be great, great fun. But real quick for you guys, I mentioned this in my last words at the end of the episode. I figured I'd give it to you up front. This is what you do if you're a New York sports fan, if you're a Yankees fan, if you're a Mets fan. First of all, the Mets 39-20 and 20 all-time on opening day. A fantastic, fantastic record. My coworker said to me, oh, you're going to bet on the Mets going up against Scherzer? And I said, hold on, son. Have you ever heard of Jacob deGrom? Goddamn, if you haven't, I don't know where you've been living. He is off the charts. Even better than Max Scherzer. Can you imagine saying that? Confidently saying that Jacob deGrom is better than Max Scherzer is a cool thing to say for a sports fan. So if you are a New York fan, a baseball fan, a Yankee fan, or a Met fan, this is what you do. You tank the Yankees' run line, minus one and a half at plus 120 at the moment. Garrett Cole on the hump. Yankees' offense ready to rock. You take the run line, one o'clock first pitch, and then you parlay that, or you wait until you win and you double down, and you take the Mets' money line. And that's what you do. Also, you sprinkle in Glaber Torres plus 350 is what I'm seeing right here to hit a home run. He's the fourth best odds on the Yankees. He's just enough of a slept-on guy when you think about Stanton, Judge, Sanchez, or LeMahieu, even though LeMahieu has higher odds than Glaber. Glaber, opening day home run. I can feel it in my bones. He's getting slept on in this Yankees lineup. He's going to remind you, day one, I'm back, baby. It's not just the Orioles this year. It's the whole league on notice. And on the Mets front, we go with the guy who does not have a contract at this point in time. Francisco Lindor, 
First game is a Met home run. The odds are not on FanDuel. I don't know why. I imagine it's like plus 250, one of the uh, lower odds for home runs. You know, I'm, I'm sure some other guys have plus 400, plus 500, whatever. Pay it. Take the obvious guy. Lindor has been raking in spring training. He's going to want to put on a show in his first game as a New York Met contract or not, maybe more so without the contract to make Stevie Cohen go, God damn, I should have just given him the 385 for 12. I don't care. Francisco Lindor, home run. Mets money line. Yankees run line, minus one and a half. Glaber Torres, home run, plus 350. Let's ride. It's baseball season. And this right here is Subway Sports Talk. Stay tuned. Um, Hold on, hold on, hold on. Actually, you may have just heard me speak for the past eight or ten minutes or something like that. Can you believe I just recorded that little intro there? And within moments, I mean moments, I get a text from Andrew Kalanya and Alec Argento in the designated hitters group chat. Francisco Lindor, 10 years, $341 million deal with the New York Mets per Jeff Passan and ESPN. It has happened. That is exciting. And I just said stuff that doesn't matter anymore. I still think I'm betting on him to hit a home run. Heck it. Let's ride with the new rich man, Francisco Lindor. He didn't get the deal he wanted, 12 years, 385. I guess maybe Steve held strong. He decided to take it. But hey, he committed to the Mets franchise. My take before the contract was settled was sometimes you got to pay. And if the first six years are good, even if the last six get ugly, it might be worth it. Pay the man. Money doesn't matter. Money's not real. Stonks only go up. I don't know what you want to say, but it doesn't matter anymore. Francisco Lindor inked contract with the New York Mets. Very exciting. Now even more excited for this Mets season for Francisco Lindor to hit a home run tomorrow. That's it. I just needed to put that out there. So we're all on the, on the same page. This is exciting. That's all I have to say. Listen to the episode. Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. All right, now we're joined with my guy, NBA Outsider himself, but it's one-on-one today, just me and you, Kyle Anderson. What's good, brother? My guy, what's going on, man? Uh, you know, the weekend we had so far, you know, met up for the first time in a while. That was, that was nice. Dude, oh my God, I forgot about that. I saw you this weekend. What a great surprise that was. I I didn't realize that I was going to see a few good friends back from the old college days until I showed up at our buddy Zach's house. That was yeah. great. And uh, what a surprise. We got to hang out, shoot the shit a little bit. Yeah, man, that was dope. I was, same thing. I was not expecting, you know, everyone to show up. I knew, you know, people that, you know, live with, you know, Nick. Connor, all them big, but uh, yeah, dude, it was it was dope seeing everybody, man. It was great. And and shout out yeah. to those guys. Some of them are are big supporters of the podcast. So if they're listening right now, yeah, man, thanks to them. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, right. Mitch, Sean, uh, obviously McFarlane, all those guys. Yeah, man. And you know, what's, to them. you know what's funny is, like, some people, when I see them in person or, like, you know, actually text them about something in particular, um, they'll be like, yeah, I was listening to the pod the other day. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, and I get shocked. I'm like, I can't believe you're listening. I didn't even know you were a listener. Like, thank you so much. Blah, blah, blah. And people are like, come on. Like, how'd you know? I, how'd you didn't know I listened? I was like, you never told me. How am I, I'm not going to assume, <laughs> I'm not going to assume that people yeah, listen so to the podcast. You know what I mean? Like you never know, told man. me. Yeah. Cause you know, we, put out, we put out so much stuff, you know, sometimes when, uh, when they tell us that, yo, like I listened to the pod I'm like, all right, first of all, which one did you listen to? I'm like, oh, well I listened to yours. Like, all right, word, man. You know, like, well, what'd you think? Cause like, well, I've listened to every episode. I'm like, yo man, you're loyal. You're a loyal sports, you know, subway sports guy. Like, Dang, man, I like you. Right? Dang, you're a good dude. Good looks. Appreciate it's just funny because, like, you know, I don't know it's, it's if... It's really cool. I don't know if they think that I could see everyone who listens and, like, know who it is, but I've had, like, four or five people offended that I didn't know that they listen. I'm like, well, I should be offended. You, you're you supposed to be like, my boy, you never even hit me up, like, yo, good episode, or, like, yo, Kyle's... Right, don't Kyle's, nothing. Kyle crushed it, or Kyle had a terrible take, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, no one... Yeah. They never hit me up about it, so I didn't know. But anyways... Shout out Sean Clay. He wanted to be um, an angel investor for Subway Sports Talk. He kept slumping singles into my uh, shirt pocket. So shout out oh, to Sean Clay. <laughs> I said building, he's the just building the franchise biggest investor for Subway Sports Talk. Um, that was good stuff, though. Pleasure to see all you guys. And then when I say goodbye to you, Kyle, I was like, oh yeah, I'll talk to you. You know, like every day as we tend to yeah. talk every day. Because <laughs> right. um, right. we'll, a lot, we'll, we'll miss a beat. A lot of other people. I say goodbye to it. I'll be like, yo, talk to you later. And it could be later, later, a lot later. And for you, I was like, no, I'll probably talk to you in like a couple hours. Um, but let's go on into it because we got NCAA tournament. We're in the thick of it, thick of it now. I mean, if you really think about the thick of it, the most exciting NCAA tournament part is like the first two days. That They're just electric. There's so many games on it. It's, it's so fun. But this is what it boils down to, the final four. And we have a mixed bag. We have the juggernaut in Gonzaga. We have the two supposed to be their teams in Baylor and Houston. And we got the underdog, UCLA. Now, granted, it's a quote unquote blue blood, blue blood school. They were just they haven't been that recently, and they were not looked at, at as such this season. So we'll give some quick takes on NCAA tournament. We will also run around the NBA super quick to give you some thoughts on the final stretch post-trade deadline, post-buyout market. But right now, let's focus in on um, the NCAA tournament. I think a great place to start is with the best team. It's Gonzaga. They're undefeated. They are a absolute well-oiled machine. What like So when you look at this team, I know you obviously had great respect for them coming in here. What is it? Is it just depth? Is it... The fact they have top-end talent like Suggs and Kispert right now, is it a mixture of everything? Like I feel like they've been grooming themselves to reach this point for the past like six, seven, eight years, and this is like the epitome of college basketball. Is that the right word? The epitome? That's not the right yeah. word. The whatever. The top. I, this I is it. You. Yep. Yeah, that's the pinnacle. Yep. The My, pinnacle. That's what I was trying to say. Is that what you're looking for? So because I, I totally am with you because you make a great point. Gonzaga has always been a team that has gotten to the tournament and, you know, before every tournament, every analyst swears up and down, Hey, this is a guaranteed, you know, final 
or lock final four lock and then they get bounced in the round of 32 or the sweet 16 every year and this is probably the first team that i mean honestly in my opinion this is one of the best teams like total cohesive unit that has ever been you know has ever played honestly in my opinion and just because wow they have like top to bottom they can they can shoot the three they almost all of them can shoot the three right they defend they get up and down and they can score they score about like you know 90 a game their pace of play is the third in the country right now so it is like they they can really kind of play any pace but once you get into their pace like if you, once you play the up and down game they're not going to lose because they're going to score way more than you can they they have more more guys that can fill it up than you do you know that can consistently fill it up and since they play such unselfish team basketball they if if one guy goes cold all right let's go to the next guy and the next guy is just as capable as the first option so this is one of the my opinion is one of the best teams think that I've seen in a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not even just this season, not just this weird COVID season. This team is just no joke. And the name that neither of us have mentioned to this point that deserves a ton of credit is Mark few. I mean, yeah, he's been doing a lot with a little, and then he did even more with more. Now he is doing it all with like this real talented roster. And he easily has to be talked about in that top tier ilk of college coaches. Calipari and and Coach K have legacy stuff going on, and you know Roy Williams legacy stuff, Tom Izzo legacy stuff. But in a what have you done for me lately world, Mark Few right now is the gold standard of college basketball coaching. Is that is that crazy to say? No, that's not crazy at all. Because every year his team's in it. And unfortunately he gets kind of disrespected because and their team gets disrespected because they're in the West coast conference and their competition isn't as strong as say some of the schools in the big 10 or the big 12 or the ACC. But up until this point, obviously they've been undefeated. And if you saw what BYU did to them in the championship game, like it's a strong conference. They, they almost lost that game in the, in the tournament final, but this is just credit to Mark Few because every year his team's in it. And yes, all right, they get knocked out in the Sweet 16 or they get knocked out, you know, in the second round. But every year they're in it. And every year they're competitive and they always are very well coached. I'm a Duke fan, right? Duke isn't in it this year. Duke gets knocked out in the first round or the second round all the time. And they're, you know, Coach K is one of the, obviously one of the best coaches ever. But he's right up there with coach K because he's always in the mix. His guys are always well coached. They, they execute the game plan. It's not like they don't execute the game plan in the tournament. Sometimes it's just, Hey, it just wasn't our day, you know, for some teams and Hey, we just missed shots. It's never like, ah, they just, they just looked out of sorts and they just got their butts kicked. It's just, Hey, we didn't make shots. That's just how the tournament is, but it's never, it's never from lack of preparation is what I'll say. Yeah. They're ready to rock. And Jalen Suggs being, this true top tier NBA prospect that they, they don't often have like Gonzaga is not known for having that type of player and he's legit. And Kisper is legit. Like he's going to be a lottery pick. You combine what they built at Gonzaga with that. And here we are undefeated going into the final four. Awesome stuff. Let's move on to 
we'll finish up with UCLA before we move on to the NBA stuff. So let's hop across the the bracket here and talk about yeah, and Baylor. Hey, one one yeah. thing before before we move on, Wiggins, Wiggins, one last thing is that you know how they have like all these senior guys and like you know all these like kind of upperclassmen on their team usually. Mm-hmm. All right, this is the one. This is like the probably the first time probably ever that they've mixed in like say one McDonald's all American into that mix with these older guys. And I think that chemistry, like taking a, a guy with a lot of talent that's young and a lot of leadership and meshed it. I think you're going to see a lot of teams kind of copycat that and, you know, moving on like, Hey, we're going to take one McDonald's top 10 all American. And then we're going to take a bunch of, you know, sophomores or seniors that have been in the program before teach him the way. And then we're going to let him carry us to the final you know, right. with their experience. Just one last thing. I no, to. it's a great point. It actually reminds me of one other thing to do with Jalen Suggs. Um, one of my buddies uh, who is a huge sports fan, probably leads with football and baseball and then mixes in college and NBA. You know, he's aware of Gonzaga being awesome. Very, very aware of it. He knows how good they are. That being said, naturally in his brain, he doesn't relate Gonzaga to top-tier NBA prospects. So he watched them in the tournament like everybody else did. Damn, this team's sick. And in a post-game interview, just uh, after this last game, they say something about Jalen Suggs being a projected lottery pick or, or whatever, and he texts me like, yo, this kid's like a freshman and he's a, a lottery pick? I'm like, yeah, he's top three pick. He's legit. He's like, oh my God, I didn't realize Gonzaga had a dude like that. You know, so for the average fan, you're turning on Gonzaga. Yeah. This ain't your your uncle's Gonzaga. You know what I mean? Like this is this is different right here. Right. Yeah, dude, this is the new wave now. Yeah, man. This is the combo that realistically a team like Michigan State has hit once or twice. You know, uh North Carolina hits every yeah. once in a while where they got one of those stud or a couple stud seniors and then a freshman star comes in. That's what that's what these big blue blood schools do every, you know, two or three years. And Gonzaga's there right now. Very, very exciting. Um on the other side with Baylor and Houston, let's go to Baylor first. They've kind of been the under-the-radar team for me. Everybody, uh, you know, expected them to be really good here. I think they were probably the second or third, uh, maybe the third most popular national champion pick behind, obviously, Gonzaga, and I think Illinois might have been higher than them. That didn't go so well. Um, But they've been awesome. Uh, Davion Mitchell, same number as Donovan Mitchell, same size as Donovan Mitchell. Very confusing for a lot of our brains out there, but he's straight-up balling. Uh, speak on Baylor for a hot second and why, if you're looking at Gonzaga as a runaway, why you might be mistaken if you sleep on Baylor. Baylor plays defense, man. They play hard, like really hard. And all of them, and you know what the good thing about them is that even though they're small, they can all switch onto everything. And they all, one through five, can defend. And, um, you know, these are guys that, that one can get up and down, but then they're like, all right, well, if you want to slow down the pace, well, we're going to make you work. You're going to get tired on offense, and then you're not going to be able to defend us when we get this rebound and get out in transition. So it's they really like wear you down, but at the same time can fill it up as well. Mitchell, it's weird because, like you just mentioned, 45, you know, Devion Mitchell, and he actually has like a kind of a similar game to him too, which is it's so weird. Like he it's moves, so he moves similarly. <laughs> Like, I, I, like, there's a particular, like, balance to Donovan Mitchell's, like, lower half when he's moving around the court and doing step backs and, and, and pulling up. And I feel like yeah. Davion Mitchell has that same exact, exact lower half balance. I don't know what it is, but it's, like, strong-ass legs that are always 
lined up where they're supposed to be. No, yeah, you're right. Exactly. And and last game, you know, they hit hit a ton of threes. You know, they shot the ball really well and they didn't shoot that well against Villanova. So everyone's like, oh, like how are they gonna, you know, how are they gonna do offensively this game and blah blah blah. And they just they just do it, you know, did exactly what they had to do and kind of kind of blew them out of the water. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that Baylor Houston matchup, man. That's gonna be that's gonna be a good one. Any uh, any notes on Houston in particular? There, I don't uh, to be a hundred percent honest. Yeah. I've caught minimal amounts of their games, so I don't really have much to add here. Yeah, dude. Yo, the kid Jarrell from Houston. If you look at him, like he's probably like he's probably like six six. I would say just like long, like wiry guy, and probably like more of a wing. Uh, you know, like more of like a two guard. But for Houston, yo, he just makes. He makes big plays all the time for them. When they need a big bucket, he comes up with a three. They need a big stop. He's the one that's taking a charge. When, you know, they need to get a guy involved, he's involved. He's he's driving and kicking to that guy and creating a shot for somebody. He is definitely the heartbeat of that team and, like, the engine for, for Houston for sure. And, um, you know, Kevin Sanford, you're right. Sanford, again, he's a guy that, was in some trouble times, you know, at Oklahoma. And then Indiana didn't really have the best exit. And he's really – everywhere he goes, though, he has success. And I think he's another guy that's one of these vets, vet, you know, college coaches that doesn't get as much respect because, you know, he's been in some trouble. But, dude, he's just as good as everyone. And it's not because, oh, he's in the tournament and uh, their their team's hot right now, so he's getting love. You know, he's getting his flowers right now. No, dude, his teams are always in the mix, and his teams are always probably winning the conference. You know, it's just this year he's got a good group, and he's taking advantage of it for sure. Absolutely. And uh, Baylor minus five versus Houston. Uh, right now, Gonzaga's minus 14. Minus 14 Ooh. in the final four. <laughs> that's that's wow. crazy. Uh, against UCLA, I saw a stat. Of the 30 wins, 30 and L for Gonzaga, 29 of them have been by double digits. Dude, that's just that's just kicking everybody's ass. Yeah, like just chew on that for a you second. I mean? like, like, come on. Like, what? And that doesn't mean that the... they've covered. I don't even know they're against the spread um, record because that yeah. they're usually like nineteen point favorites or twenty six point favorites yeah, right. or something like that. Say, so yeah, so I'm about to say some of the spreads are like you know twenty points sometimes. Literally, points. it's like a foot so. a college football spread. It's like thirty five. Like, are you serious? Is a twenty nine yeah. point spread yeah. on a college basketball game? That's how good they've been. But and Alabama's playing Tulsa, you know, for real. <laughs> uh, before we talk about UCLA, because they're at this point, they're the quote Cinderella story. Um, they're exciting. They got some dudes who were. When you're watching them play, they have unique styles and they're noticeable. And you know they got the hair to match Tiger Campbell out here with the. Yo, it's like he's got style. He's got the swag. Whole squad, whole squad has has hair, man. They, they got uh, Jacquez got this the big stash going. Or he got a uh, yeah. a, go, a goatee maybe rocking. I forget what he's got, but they're 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 good. We'll talk about them in a second. I do want to shout you out for a hot second when we're talking Cinderellas. If you saw KJ ten underscore underscore on Subway Sports Talk Instagram, one of your yes, sleeper teams did pretty damn well, Oregon State. What's up? Yeah, dude. Look, man, I I, I knew they were going to get the upset. Um, it was against Tennessee, and um, they – dude, the, the, the way they're talking about, they're like, yo, this team makes free throws. 
They play defense. They just won the Pac-12 tournament. You know, when when a, a team that's kind of, you know, kind of out of it and makes a run like that, you're just like, yo, like, they're striking with the irons hot. You know, Tennessee was kind of down. You're like, I think this is a good, you know. They got nothing to lose. Thing. Now, did I, right. Did I think they're going to make it to the Elite Eight? I'll take, <laughs> uh, I'll take, I'll remove some credit for myself. They're not think they're going to go that far, but, you know, they, uh, they got hot hot at the right time that's that's i think that's one of the best things about the tournament is that you can get hot at the if you got hot at the right time you had the confidence to beat anybody and a team that you know a team like oral roberts mm. what the hell are they doing in the sweet 16 Unreal. what are they doing in the elite eight and they just just a team on a run you get a guy that gets a little hot you know good chemistry at the right time it happens and and the so, guy who i loved on oregon state was ethan thomas he, oh yeah, like he literally looked like the dude. He's a senior, right? And he'd yep. been getting better and better every single year. His stats go straight up, straight up, straight up. He is literally the classic, like protagonist, main character of a movie where yo know, he did all the right things, didn't get his shine. Senior year comes in, you know, makes the run. Like that's what it felt like, and that's what the tournament's all about. And he, like he yep. and that team fit that role perfectly. They were really fun to watch. But let's talk about UCLA because they're still making that run. They are in the midst of what could be an all-time run if they can knock off 30 and 0 Gonzaga. And yes, the spread is 14, but if you watch this UCLA team fight every night they've played so far in this tournament, and it's the Final Four, it's the NCAA tournament, I don't care if it's minus 14, they got a shot, right? So talk to me how UCLA can pull this upset off. Give me give me your take on what they would need to do or what may have to happen for this to go down. So UCLA is going to they they play a slow slower pace and I I want to say they're in the 300s as far as NCAA rank in pace of play. But they're going to have to hit shots because if they don't, you know, Gonzaga is going to kill them, right? But UCLA has to hit shots and they definitely have to get guys like Timmy in foul trouble like early. They get him in foul trouble, and they can kind of disrupt their rhythm a little bit offensively. Um, you know, they're going to have a shot. Defense, I mean, I'm sorry. For them, offensively, obviously hit shots, but it's it's containing Gonzaga because they're going to they're gonna get theirs. So UCLA is definitely going to have to have a good night offensively to stay in the game and compete. But they definitely have a shot, man. That guy, that guy Drew Zhang, if he played like how he played last night, he they have a very good shot. For sure. Yeah, he's no joke. I mean, him and Jaquez, right? Like, they're, they're both JJ. Yes. Johnny uh, Juzang and Jamie Jaquez, um, they're they're just, like, they're not scared. That's, what, that's the vibe I get from those two guys and Tiger Campbell, for that matter. Like, they're going to go down swinging. Like, they're going to take their best shots. They're going to play their ass off. And, you know, they might lose by 15. They may not cover. But yeah. I, I'm not going to sit here and say they don't have a shot. I'm not going to do that. Um, am I no, picking them sure. to win? They, they, no. <laughs> no, no, but no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah, got the some kid, swagger the to them. Transferred from Kentucky, man. Like he apparently like transferred from Kentucky, went to uh, UCLA because it was like from you know close to the home, and it was like, yo, like we're gonna bring a title back home, and this kid's in the Final Four now. You know his senior year, like which is crazy. That's you it. Know, really like, is. And you know what? You, don't you don't you like hearing those stories? Like you know, they took a bet on themselves, and they were like, "Yo, you know what? Nah, bro, I'm gonna dip. I just want to, you know, I think I'm gonna be in a better situation." 
because sometimes you hear a lot about a kid that bounces around and he doesn't, you know, doesn't really have a plan. This kid seemed to like have a plan. I was like, you know what, dude, I'm going to go back home, play for my, you know, play for my state, for, play for my city. Like, you know what, let's, let's win one here. And it actually, you know, it actually follows through. Right. I think that's pretty sick. It comes to fruition and it's, it's no joke. Yeah. And, um, it's interesting. It, it would be a longer conversation to have, but the Kentucky transfer or the Duke transfer, the whatever big school you want to name transfer to some other school, it, it has to become a thing. It, it has in a bunch of different situations. Like I'm pretty sure, um, who's the guy who was on the the Knicks? Wasn't wasn't Damian Dotson? Was he a Kentucky transfer or something like that? No, maybe it wasn't him. He went to Houston. I'm not sure. Or the SMU kid. Um. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm drawing blanks over here. Whatever. There was a, a guy who went to SMU. I think he ended up on in the league for a hot minute. Was it Semi Ojale? No, I'm I'm all over the place right now. Don't even listen to me. But sure. it, it, the the point is when Kentucky is recruiting all these people and Duke is recruiting all these people, only seven eight guys are going to play, and usually, you know, three of them, four of them are upperclassmen, and if you're lucky, you have four good freshmen who can play. And you're Johnny Juzang, you're you're recruited to Kentucky. Like, this is sick. I'm gonna go to the league. Like, this is where I need to be. And you're like, all right, I'm not even gonna get on the court. Like, what is this? Like, this is terrible. And you transfer. It's like the Alabama running back, uh, is the same concept. Yeah. So I feel like yeah. it, it, this was a correction year. Kentucky was down, Duke was down. Some of these recruits out here are probably saying, Why am I gonna go there and not play if I'm not one of their top, you know, three or four recruits? So I I, I respect it, I get it. And now they have a chance to knock off the big dogs themselves. Yeah, you take a big you take a big risk going to schools like that. You know, you have to really trust your game and your and really have some confidence to go to a school like that. It's funny you said Alabama running back because I just saw a thing on uh Shannon Sharp's page. I guess it was from his uh podcast, and he was talking to Alvin Kamara, and he was saying that originally he went to Bama <laughs> freshman year and he went in and he was like, yo, man, like, I was coming off a of state championship. Like, dude, I'm about to win this. Like, you know, I'm about to be starting all this stuff. And he went to practice, and he was like, in the running back room, it's me, Kenyon Drake, uh, TJ, Derek Henry. TJ Yeldon. Um, forgot who else. Yeah, TJ Yeldon. He was, like, say, naming all these guys. He was like, yo, what the hell am I doing here, bro? I'm never going to get the ball. Right? <laughs> he was like. Like I you see Derrick Henry and you're like, this guy, it, he, you can give him 29 carries a game. Like, you know what I'm right. saying? You're not going to touch the <laughs> he ball. Was like, he was like, you know, I came in all hot. He was like, yo, I had like 2,200 yards. Like my senior year, he was like, Derrick Henry had 10,000 in his career. He was like, <laughs> I don't know if I'm competing with that. <laughs> and it takes, it takes like self-awareness too, you know? And by the way, I looked it up. It was Sammy Ogilvy. He was a Duke, uh, a Duke recruit behind Emil Jefferson and Justice Winslow getting no burn. Um, so he transferred to SMU and then was obviously good and made it to the league, even though he's been meh in the league. But still, the point the point stands. Um, yeah, it's interesting what happens with these big colleges. Let's we'll see if it corrects back next year. Kentucky and Duke maybe get their ish together. I know you're you're rooting for it. Um, Hope so. Hope real quick, so. now that we're down to four, are you betting Gonzaga or you got somebody else? No, I'll be I'll be sticking with Gonzaga. They haven't really steered me wrong yet. I think if someone, the only way they're going to lose, in my opinion, is if they beat themselves. Mm. There's going to be a lot of turnovers, missed shots, defensive lapses. 
they're just they're legit man they're that's some i i really legit think they're probably one of the best teams that i've seen in 10 15 years since i've really like just in general basketball they're yeah dude they're just really really good you know they don't make mistakes either absolutely um i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna say i'm gonna say just i think they're gonna do it too i think they're gonna do the undefeated thing and then they're gonna get it no frank kaminsky coming out here knocking off the undefeated season (laughs) not this time frank Frank Kaminsky had had to see Duke in that chip, man. Grayson Allen <laughs> off. Yeah, dude, that was great. Yo, yo, you know what? Now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure if if my memory is correct, I'm pretty sure we went to that Hooters in Princeton for the for the Duke and Wisconsin game when I was at TCNJ. Me and you? If my memory is correct. I think it was me. You know, I think I went. I think it was me, Marty. Shout out to Marty. Mm-hmm. Mazzy. And Maddie Mo, mm. if my memory steers me correctly. Yeah. Shout out, I all good guys. Went, went and saw uh, saw that Duke Wisconsin game at Hooters. That was great. Uh, Ho- yeah, Hooters, good, got good food out there at Hooters. Yeah, good can't. food. I mean, it's all about the food. <laughs> top quality, top quality. <laughs> can't sleep, can't sleep. I just talked to Maddie Mo before. Good stuff. He was telling me, um, you know, he always, he always has a Sixers take for me whenever we talk. So, mm. you know, I got some Sixers take, but let's let's actually use that to segue. All right. To some NBA yeah, here. Quick reset. Subway Sports Talk is Pete Kennedy and Kyle Anderson. Don't forget to hit us on Twitter, Instagram, at Subway Sports Talk. TLK on Twitter, but T-A-L-K on the IG. You can see some of Kyle's takes from the college basketball, the early rounds on there on Instagram. And we obviously will keep doing more and more on there as we go forward. But now let's talk about the NBA. First thing I want to ask you. Are you booty bothered like all these people on Twitter about the buyout situation and Blake and LaMarcus going to Brooklyn? Nah, man. I I think it's just, it's business, bro. That's ultimately for me, it's just business, you know, and, and one team is willing to literally go all in for the season. So if a team's willing to do that and they have the funds for it and they're, you know, like, hey, look, we want it's championship or bust. You got to respect an organization or a team for doing that, you know, because not every team is willing to put their season on the line, you know, with with obviously they have the stars already. Now they're like, you know what, we're going to secure this even more. You know, if there's any opportunities for us to get better, we're going to do it. It, you know, hearing from Nets fans, right? It's cool to see them like defending their moves right now because they're like, yo, dude, like, do you remember where the Nets were for the past, you know, 10, 15 years? Like, dude, we're, we're here now, you know, we, we could actually win this. Why am I going to be upset about it? And I totally get their, you know, their, their, their kind of viewpoint on it. Because if, if I was a Knicks fan and we did that, like I would be ecstatic, bro. I would be at the top of the, you know, I would be on the top of the world. If we actually did it and followed through and won and chip, like why wouldn't I be all in for that as a fan? A hundred percent. And the other two parts of this, cause we, right? we tend to agree and I'll play devil's advocate against both of us in a second here, but we tend to agree. Um, Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge were not looked at as good assets, especially at the contract that they currently had. So the whole league had a chance to make a trade for one of these guys, but the trade is unfeasible because they are not nearly as good as those contracts uh, said they were, right? So everybody is compliant here. The other team decided to buy them out, especially it's all the small markets who usually get mad. The small market team like San Antonio or Detroit agreed to buy out the player. 
the players agreed to be bought out. They were they were for it, right? And then if you were Lamarcus Aldridge or Blake Griffin, you gonna you gonna join uh, the Hornets to to shore them up, uh, to shore up their front court? Like no, you're gonna join a team who's top two in their conference, like the Lakers or the Nets, or you know the Heat aren't top two in the conference right now, but they're the defending Eastern Conference champions. They're gonna get consideration. You know the Celtics have pedigree. They're gonna get consideration. It's not all cross the board. You know, big market, small market. It's is this team good and is it worth me going there? Clearly, yes. And then on top of it, can we not talk about this being like five all stars in a lineup? Because I can almost guarantee that in the Nets' most important game of the season, one of, if not both, Blake Griffin and Lamarcus Aldridge might not be on the court. Big facts. Like, Uh, like Joe Harris is on the court. (laughs) Joe Harris on the court and KD, Kyrie, and Harden are healthy. One of them's not on the court. So let's not act like we're getting, you know, 2014 LaMarcus Aldridge over here. We're not. So that's that's one. Um, but do you think, do you think that, oh, sorry. Let me play devil's advocate for a second. Wow, I'm a small market and we never get free agents. And that's t- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not, but like... <laughs> Sorry, that was that was kind no, of a joke, but you're so right. Because I get that it. would that'd be the exact voice, the exact words they would say. Come on, <laughs> come on guys, save save some room for everyone else. <laughs> I, I really want Andre Drummond. Like, do you really want Andre Drummond? Like, uh, no, not really. I just want some attention. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, oh man, like now you know, say. Now, now the Grizzlies are in eleventh place. Like, uh. right? <laughs> like, what the hell are the Grizzlies doing with with uh, with Andre Drummond? Oh, I, you know what? He might not hurt them too much. I, he's not better than Jonas Valanciunas, in my opinion. But besides the point, like, it's not gonna help you. Are are Blake Griffin and Lamarcus Aldridge right now better than Marco Bellinelli and Ursan Ilyasova when they were buyout? Uh, you know, snags from the Sixers a couple years back. And they really helped. Remember Bellinelli was like killing for them in the playoffs? Killing it. Ursan was uh, stretching the floors like their best run. Are Blake and LaMarcus better than those two guys? Because those two guys don't get hate. You know, they're nobody. Right. And and think about this too. You know, I think the whole, oh, Blake wasn't dunking before and now he's dunking. Everyone's like, oh, like it's a big joke. But I'm like, yo, you see how, how much energized guys get when they play on a good team, this is just what happens, bro. You know, dudes get excited. They're like, yo, I'm playing with other good players. But outside of this team, they were doing what they were doing for a reason. The team was deciding to buy them out because they're like, yeah, dude, like. We're going nowhere with you. We're going nowhere without you. Exactly, dude. So why don't we just move you on to somewhere else where you're going to be able to play? I think everyone freaked out because they heard these two names that are going to the Nets and not the current state of their their performance. You know what I mean? Yeah, these are for two sure. guys that are kind of on their way out, you know, that are going to a team that already has, you know, just to name them, James Harden, Kyrie, and KD. You everyone freaks out over the names <laughs> and the the pedigree that comes with those names, not with all right, hey, Blake Griffin is what, usually 32, 34 years old. Or, you know, yeah, Aldridge is 30, that. probably at least 34 years old, 35 years old. Mm-hmm. Two older guys that are probably going to play 20 minutes, 25 minutes for the Nets. Absolutely. Right. No, 
they're going to be bench. They're going to be, they're going to be role guys for that team. So. I'm hundred percent with you. Um, and I actually, to pat myself on the back real quick before Blake Griffin's first game with the nets, I tweeted out, you know, where can I bet on Blake Griffin dunking in his first game? Like I was like, <laughs> I, I know he it's been a whole thing about how he hasn't dunked. I just have this feeling like he's going to dunk in the first game with the Nets. Somebody actually responded to me and said that, um, I think it was big cat who, you know, had the same thought as me. So Barstool Sportsbook put it on, on the sports book, wow. but Barstool Sportsbook is not in New Jersey where I reside. So I couldn't oh, get it. Really? But yeah, he dunked in like his first basket. Dude, it was insane. First game. Uh, I'm like, dude. James it's Harden. It's just meant to be, bro. James Harden just like with his eyes closed can get anybody a wide open dunker layup. It's 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 insane what he does sometimes. So yeah, dude. Um, so much better. Let's move off the nets for a second and we'll bounce around to talk about some some different teams in the league, what they did or didn't do all-star break, and how we're feeling about them moving forward. I'm going to put on some music because I help, I feel like it helps us uh, keep the pace up. Got so it. let's enjoy some good tunes and talk some NBA basketball. Okay. Let's start. Because this song reminds me of Jimmy Butler with the Miami Heat. Victor Oladipo comes to town. They've been playing better. Then they slipped up. That being said, we have to have a level of respect for Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and that franchise. Kyle, can you picture Victor Oladipo making a big enough impact for them to make another run? Hey, another 3 and D guy for the Heat. It's just somebody that can create his own shot. A team that's going to give you energy. A team that can get out, you know, another guy that can help you get out and run. You know, sometimes I think the Heat, you know, can slow it down a little bit too much. Now this guy can, hey, yo, let's go. Let's go. Let's get out and run. Let's get easy buckets. This is definitely a good acquisition for them. You see what they did to the Knicks the other night. It was, you know, it, it, it just shows that they're still going to be a playoff team when it comes down to it at the end of the day. Agreed. And uh, the way they may, uh, face up with the Knicks head-to-head, they beat the Knicks three times this year already. They're a better version of the Knicks in every way. I've, I outlined this on Twitter, but think about it. Top-end talent, Jimmy and Bam over Julius and RJ. Shooters, Duncan and Hero over Bullock and Burks. Same physical defense with better uh, high-end defenders than Jimmy and Bam. Like, Coach, Eric Spolstra, one of the best. So I am... By no means putting them out. They just need to start winning some regular season games. Um, but let's bounce to our next team here. Philadelphia 76ers, more minor on the acquisition front. But can George Hill sure them up in any way? He, he has a mixed bag of playoff experience. Some good, some bad. Does he do anything to move the needle for you in Philly? Not really. The only thing that I can think that can help them out with the Sixers is maybe get Seth easier looks, you know, with the three ball and maybe set up Joel a little bit more than when he gets back healthy. But for me, really, it's just like, okay, like, all right, another point guard to run the offense for the first or second unit when, when Ben needs some, you know, some minutes on the bench. But that was, that was, it didn't really like, oh, wow, like this is going to jumpstart them. I thought it was just like, a, okay, like, all right, decent move. Okay. For me. I feel you. Kind of more steady, steadying than uh, moving them up or down. Uh, our boy, 
ex-Nick great, Austin Rivers. Any impact in Milwaukee you see in his future? Ooh, uh, this is, I think I think this is. I don't know if this is going to you know put them in the conference finals at all, but I think this is definitely a good move for them because what were we talking about before the year? You know, they needed, you know, trying to get Bogdanovich, and they didn't get him to get a three ball on the wing. And now they have a guy that can get a three and can create his own shot going to the basket. I think this is definitely a good move for them. I hope they sign him long-term because I think this is a guy that should consistently be on the floor and can make plays, you know, all the time. So I, I think that's that's a good move for them for sure. I'm with you. I think, I think we could see him in a playoff series. Kind of like you said, like, there's a good chance he'll be around making something happen, bothering somebody, making a shot, making a sneaky drive. Uh, he can do some things. Shame it didn't go the way we all wanted it to go in New York. But that's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. Um, real quick, the New York Knicks, Kyle. No real moves. You know, some minor stuff. with the. They were part of that George Hill trade, but nothing noteworthy. Okay with it? You cool with no moves for the Knicks? Yeah, you know, I'm, I wasn't... I didn't have a problem with it. Because I... For, for me, what I thought about it was the Knicks saw the opportunities that were out there. They said, all right... Are there any players that are going to help us, you know, take it to the next level? And also, we don't have to give up a ton that we've just created, you know, this foundation we just established. If it's if we have to sell our soul just to get a guy that is going to be a rental, they're probably like, you know what? He's not worth it. All right. So if we can do this, do these same moves in the summer or in the following free agency. And you know what? That's the move. You know, that's the kind of transaction we want to be a part of not a rental we're probably going to be in that five to eight seed range anyway you know for the playoffs we, we might not technically get it a hundred percent a hundred percent nobody was moving the needle for the knicks high enough to make a risk worth it and now they maintain flexibility they can do more so as they choose in the off season and they're still playing with icing on the cake right now this is better than anyone could have expected and if you said you expect them to be a five seed right now, like you're either crazy or you're lying. I thought they were going to be one of the four worst teams in the conference. I was wrong as hell. They're exciting. And we're going to keep it that way without risking anything too hard. I'm very happy with that. Uh, let's pop over. Actually, real quick. One thought on the Bulls. Vucevic. Does that, does that make you feel better about them being a playoff team? Or is it not enough? For the Bulls, I don't know if I said that already. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Honestly, I think, I think it's still an organizational thing and not a, not a talent thing. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I think, I think Levine, even with all those acquisitions and kind of moves they made at the line, at the deadline, I think Levine is still not going to be there next year. Mm. Mm. In my opinion, I think he's still gonna he's still gonna move. And you know what? I think they try to convince him to move. You know, me. You know what I mean? I think they try to convince him, like, hey, look at all these moves we're making. We're trying to build a better cast around you. I think he's still at the end of the day, he's still gonna move. That's a interesting take right there because I don't think I've heard anyone anyone say that. But if the Bulls want to trade him now, that might be the best time to do it. Sell high on my guy. You know what I'm saying? Sell high on on Zach Levine making an all-star team doing the damn thing. So, 
That's good. I lost Kyle for a second, but he's back. All I said was... Nah, nah, it was my connection. Just blew it for a second. All I said was Zach Levine selling high right now. It might be the highest point to ever sell on him. You trade him now, you might get a haul for an all-star, right? But you just trade for Foose. I don't know if you do that. It's kind of crazy. I don't know. The Bulls are still not relevant, relevant, but this makes them a little bit more interesting. They got to start winning some games. Let's hop over to the Western Conference. We only got like two teams to talk about here. First things first, Denver Nuggets. Aaron Gordon enters the chat. Seems like a match made in heaven to play with Nikola Jokic. Can you see him? Maybe not just filling the Jeremy Grant role, but expounding on, expanding on it. Yeah, I think so. This is this might not be a guy that can shoot as many threes as Jeremy Grant, but with the way that Michael Porter Jr. is shooting the ball, I think he kind of steps into Grant's role, that kind of three guy. You know, that can that can hit threes from the wing. So if there's another guy, Gordon, another guy that's gonna attack the glass, another guy that can create his own shot, another guy that can do pick and pop with Murray. I think this is I thought that was a great pickup for them. And this is this is another dangerous team in the West now, mm -hmm. you know, in that kind of second tier with the Suns that can make some noise in the in the, in the uh, Western Conference. And you saw it in his first game with Denver. The cutting he can do off Jokic. You know, he could hit an open three-pointer in the corner. If he does those things on a high level, that is dangerous. Because Michael Porter Jr. is starting to show even more signs of life. And they could be dangerous, man. I, whew, if the Lakers aren't healthy, I don't know why you can't pick them. Yeah, that's, that's not a team I want to play in mm -hmm. the playoffs. The Nuggets right now. All right. I did just mention the Lakers, so let me just say this. We don't need to discuss them. They did add Andre Drummond. It's very simple on the Lakers front. AD and LeBron are healthy. They're the favorites. AD not healthy, but LeBron's healthy. They are definitely to be considered. None of them helped healthy. Who the hell cares? Right? Exactly. <laughs> Who the hell right. cares? You, you, we, we've seen the product the past couple weeks. Yes. You know, it's, so it's not going to be the same. Last team to talk about in the Western Conference. Portland Trailblazers. They got Norman Powell. They got rid of Gary Trent. I like Gary Trent a lot. My guy can really shoot. He he hits tough, contested threes. He's no joke, and he grinds on defense. But playmaking, not his thing. He doesn't pass very much. He doesn't turn it over. That's because he is not passing very much. He's shooting, and he's grinding on defense. That's what he does. Norman Powell has a, a bigger bag offensively, can do a lot, can explode for like 30. You know, like Norman Powell can explode for like 35. Like it's not... Like, oh, he's just a nice 18-point game. But no, no, no. He's like a legit scorer. Savage, right? CJ healthy. Nurk healthy. Dame being Dame. Now with Norm Powell, Mello, Enos Cantor, Rob Covington. A lot of dudes on this team who we all know and care about a little bit. Can they enter that tier? Because right now they're, they're just considered, I think, right behind the tier of, you know, Phoenix and LA Clippers and Nuggets. They're pretty much the same record as the Nuggets right now, but can they hit that tier, Kyle? Can they reach a, a, a place where they're expected to win one or two series in the, in the playoffs? Yeah, I, I look at this team like uh, like those that, that Golden State Warriors team against the Jazz. You know, like a team that, like, yo, we get matched up with them and the game's closed down the line. You're just like... What, like the We Believe Warriors? Uh, like Steven Jackson? Like We Believe. Oh, that's yes, against the, the Mavericks. The Mavericks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Against the Mavericks? Yeah. You told when they had the eight, when they were the eight no, seed? You know what I'm saying? Like the Jazz. Like when they, was that the first round, that game? 
when they when they you know when Baron Davis had like that crazy dunk on Karolinko. Oh playoffs. yes, yes, yes. I'm thinking That's of uh, you know I'm, talking about? I'm thinking of when they were the eight seed and they beat the Mavericks in the one seed. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you're talking about, though. And I love you me know, some Baron uh, Davis. Because, cause like, yo, exactly, bro. And that's so I'm like, yo, if, if there's a situation where they play a team, shoot, I mean, we kind of just talked about them, but, you know, the Nuggets. Say they play the Nuggets, right, and the game's closed down the stretch. Do we trust Dame to hit the game-winning shot or a guy like Jokic or Murray to hit, hit the game-winning shot? So that's I what mean, I'm saying. I mean, and we I give Dame. We the, I think we know it's Dame time. We give Dame <laughs> the benefit of the doubt, but let me tell you that Nikola Jokic is nearly unstoppable at this oh, point no, in time. Is. Like, especially like late he in is. games, bro. I mean, he's not the three point shooter that Dame is, but he can shoot the three. But if he if he attacks and he drives, he starts spinning and doing who knows what. Like, it's really yeah. freaking hard to stop Jokic. But yeah, yeah, you take Dame in that situation. I think you take Dame yeah. in that situation over anybody in the league right now. Yeah. And I and I think what you're touching on before Norman Norman Powell and like the trade for you know I think it was Hood and and Gary Trent mm-hmm. like I, I'm assuming that the Blazers were like all right we already have a two that can shoot you know we kind of have like two guards that can already shoot the three very well all right what is the missing piece it's a kind of a three and D guy like mm-hmm. Norman Powell that can kind of you know defend defend the wing and still get his own shot and still we're not missing production offensively so at first I didn't understand it. And then when I kind of thought about it, I was like, all right, they may be, you know, just saying, hey, we already have kind of a lot of guards. We need someone that can defend a little bit. And it's kind of like a two for one, right? Like Rodney Hood is nice. Gary Trent's been really good. Now you're getting one guy who's probably them combined. And the minutes just compact a little bit. Rodney Hood's not always super consistent. Uh, Gary Trent hasn't done it like that yet, despite having a good year. Um, And if you think about it like this too, and we're going to end up soon because I know know we got to run in a little bit here. Um, Dame and CJ being on the court together, being considered their best chance to do well, right? If you now take either Dame or CJ off the court and keep Norman Powell on the court, he fills in what those guys can do better than just about any, you know, backup in the league or any third guy in the league. He can, like, I don't know if people have seen Norman Powell play. He gets all sorts of shots whenever he wants, at the rim, in the mid-range, from three, and he's he's tough. So you take CJ out and you're running Dame and Norman Powell, that's still a electric offensive tandem. Vice versa, you take out Dame, keep in CJ, and keep in Norman Powell, that is not giving up much. Like He's, he's that good uh, when he needs to be. So I don't know. It excites me a bit. As much Obviously, I want Anthony Davis and LeBron James to be healthy because that's the most exciting but without them as the clear-cut favorites right now because of the injuries, you have legitimately, you know, five teams here who can argue that they're the best, you know, best bet to get out of the West. And the Jazz have been the best yeah. team in the Western Conference. They've been the best team in the league this year for sure. Are we trusting them? I mean, let's end off with that because I got, I got into it on Twitter with some Jazz fans. And of all... <laughs> Of all fan bases to come at me. Right. Yeah, I've been supporting the Jazz since Darren Williams and Andre Karolinko, bro. It's yes, two sir. Andre Karolinko shouts today on the podcast. That's how you know we're real <laughs> hoop fans. But I got people coming at me all because I just said that Rudy Gobert wasn't a true MVP candidate. That's all I said. I was like, he he's awesome. He's just not like a top five type player. Because I look at him more as Draymond Green rather than, you know, a James Harden. Where... He is taking your floor and pushing it up 
he's taking your ceiling and pushing it up and everybody around him gets to do what they do best because he is doing all this other crap, right? And he's awesome at it. He's really good. He might win Defensive Player of the Year again. He probably should win it again. He's an all-star. He's all, you know, second or third team NBA behind Jokic and probably Embiid now. He's probably ahead of him. He's not an MVP candidate, right? Like, that's all I was trying to say. And these people were coming at me. And they start saying about the playoffs. And I said something about Dame Lillard. And they were like, well, what has he done in the playoffs? I'm like, more than Rudy Gobert. Come on, man. What? Come on, man. So, so, PDA, Utah in a frenzy. I'm I'm frustrated, bro. I was frustrated. But the Jazz are a a well-oiled machine, though. And Rudy Gobert is freaking awesome, right? Do you trust them right now? Say just say for the sake of the argument, we're not talking about a healthy AD LeBron Lakers because that trumps everything, right? That's the that's the wild card that trumps everybody else in the West. If we're talking about the Jazz, the Suns, the Clippers, the Nuggets, and the Trailblazers, do you rank them one in, in best odds to make it to the finals? No, no, I, I don't see them getting past the second round. Uh, isn't it, is it just me or is it just like they just got the like the bad juju or something like they don't have like the they got like a curse or something like they always have the, <laughs> I don't you know. know great regular seasons right and then they get to the playoffs and then they kind of crap the bed all the time i just i don't know if it's a chemistry thing i don't know if the the players like the superstars kind of like feel the pressure or whatever the case like you know 3-1 like last postseason and they, and they blow it so it's just they have opportunities to to be great, and then they kind of always screw it up. You know that when when's the last time they've been to conference final? Oof, I don't know. And uh, like, I, I mean, it it must have been years. actually. You know what did did that Darren Williams core make a conference final? I don't I don't know if they did. With, with, with Al Jefferson and Paul Millsap and Karolinko, they had some really really good runs, but I don't know if they made it to a right. conference final. I don't know. I would have to look into that one, but. I just know that I was told on Twitter today that Rudy Gobert is by far and away the best player on the team, which, you know, I can agree he's the best player on the team, but you can't tell me that, you know, the team shooting 39.8% from three on the most attempts in the league is only because Rudy Gobert sets the best screens in the league. Like, no, Joe Ingles is an awesome shooter and playmaker. Mike Conley's having perhaps the best career, uh, best season of his career. Donovan Mitchell plus minus not on his side right now. Uh, you know, against the other guys on his team because it's, like, insane for Conley and Gobert. But Mitchell's great. Royce O'Neal shooting 40%. Bojan Bogdanovic 40% from three. I think Joe Ingles is 46% from three right now. So, I love Joe Gobert. Ingles. The Jazz are awesome. Joe, but Joe, like, Ingles, Joe Ingles can shoot it, boy. Yeah. Oh my Let's not sleep yeah. on the whole team. So, I don't know what the hell I'm even you know, saying. You know I, just, I just looked. I just looked 06-07, if this is correct. That was the last time they're in the conference final. So, so that, 15 years ago. That makes sense. Darren Williams led. I love Darren Williams, man. I love that guy. Uh, lethal crossover. Speaking of lethal. Illinois and disappointments, let's talk about Darren Williams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. No, no, no. No, I'm not going there. I'm not I'm not saying he was a disappointment. I'm not saying that. But, oh, but Illinois definitely was in the tournament. Um, yeah, dude. All right. Well, I think that's just about all we have to say right now, Kyle, huh? Yeah, man. This is obviously just another good episode, another good time talking some ball, bro. Always cool. Always cool to jump on and just, just kick it, you know? feel like you're just chilling out, talking with your boys. 
talking basketball. hundred percent. You know, you know how long our 20 minute episode went tonight? <laughs> what, go 40, 45. Yep. Like 48 or something <laughs> like that. I mean, I have to like add the intro. I didn't do, usually I do the intro all live. We just do it straight through. I didn't okay. do it tonight. So it might be like 48, 49. <laughs> Nice and short. Nice and short. <laughs> Any last words, by the way, Kyle? Anything else? Baseball season starting. We got NFL draft. Yeah, man, Actually, wait. Season. Wait, 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 wait. I have to ask you something. Yes, sir. Pro days. Coming from a former quarterback. Yes. Coming from an offensive mind, drawing up plays right now at the high school level. Somebody who now is teaching quarterbacks. And not only did you play quarterback at a high level for a while, you're now teaching quarterbacks, right? Yes, sir. Yep. Talk to me about pro days. Is it, is it, is it baloney? Is it legit? Like what matters? You know what I'm saying? Because I see a lot of hype on Twitter about Zach Wilson chucking it. Justin Fields chucking it. Does it, does it really matter, Kyle? You know what? I think pro days are just a validation of what some of these scouts are looking for. That's really all it is. Okay, because your your quarterback coach, what they're gonna do is they're gonna put you into situations in the in the workout where it is like the rare, all right, hey, here's your chance, you gotta make a throw. You know, here's your chance, you gotta make a, you know, you gotta make this crazy off off platform opposite field throw, like we saw from Wilson. They're they're just trying to showcase arm talent, showcase feet, because if you look at some of the plays that, or some of the routes at least, that some of these receivers and uh, some of these receivers are running and some of these quarterbacks are throwing, it's not like your 80% of your pass plays that you see. Like it's, all right, hey, you know, it's second and two. We're looking to take a shot here. All right, make a play. Or it's, hey, it's third and five. We need you to make a play with your feet, you know, create, create out of the pocket. Okay. I think it's, 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 the validation, like I said, for your talent, but also it is just a showcase. It's not sometimes isn't real football, you know, in a real it's it's your 10% of the plays where we see on House of Highlights where like, oh shit, like what a great throw. That it's just is you know, what I mean, we're just trying to gas gas ourselves up. The quarterback coaches, that's our job, you know, Jordan Palmer, guys like that. Uh, David Winfield trying to get these uh, these quarterbacks to kind of showcase their talent and like, hey, look, look at this play that your quarterback could win your franchise on third down on Monday Night Football, and these GMs, you know, love it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's pretty much all of it. So you're saying it's icing on the cake. It's re, it's like it's re-showing you or just putting on a platform something that you should already believe. Right? Like, so if the tape yeah, for the regular season yes. or if whatever, the tape you have from real games doesn't show you X, but then in the pro day you see X, you might have to question it. But if Zach Wilson and Justin Fields are making sick throws in the games and then in pro day they show up with the cameras on them and can do it and they're throwing dimes, it's one more notch in their cap. That's impressive. This kid could handle it when everybody's staring right at him by himself. So even though there's no defense. All right, so you're... You're, you're calming me down a little bit because I'm getting all frustrated. Yeah. I'm like, all right, like, are you really shocked that these pro prospects, top 10 picks, can throw the ball really far? Like, you shouldn't be yeah. shocked. Like, there's no, like, you know exactly. what I'm saying? So, no, it's, it's probably just, it's just in between. On the top. Yeah, it's a cherry on the top. All right, hey, you see my film. I can throw the ball. 
this is just something else that I can do. I, you might have seen one of these plays on my highlight film. You're probably questioning if I can do it again. Yes, I can. But the secret is all these plays are scripted. Right. So. Oh, they've practiced <laughs> but, every play yeah. in a row before this 100%. Yeah, these quarterback coaches are going through all these plays probably for the past month with the receivers, you know, receivers that they've thrown to all all season, you know, I you know, for Wilson at BYU and Ohio State for field. So it's it's just a showcase, in my opinion. Okay. So you're not saying it's nothing, but you're definitely not saying it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's Fair. it's not like completely nothing, but it's just like, hey, just so you know, yes, I can do this, but this your pro day should not make or break your, your draft stock. Right. Like hopefully the jets already really liked Zach Wilson and didn't feel like meh. And now all of a sudden they're like, Oh, Oh my God, look at Zach Wilson. Cause like, that's probably not a good sign. You must, you want to already. Yeah. yeah, I feel that. That's a great, that's a great way to look at it to be honest. Right. And you know, the analysts before the game, I mean, before the, like the workouts, a lot of times like, Hey, you know, we really just want to see, you know, the kind of energy he brings with his teammates. Like, all right, dude. So is it about him, his, his throwing or is it about, Hey, is this guy, you know, putting on the show for, for all these scouts, you know? So it's just, it's just a show and dance. hundred percent. Um, good stuff. You have anything else to add last words before we say goodbye? I know we just kind of did two different versions of last words there. Nah, it's all good. You know, dude, baseball trials tomorrow. Let's starting go. up. Can't wait. Freshman baseball. Um, Scott's playing fan with Raiders, bro. I think, think varsity's going to be tough this year too. Got a lot of arms. So I'm you, uh, you mixing in any, any all speeds into the batting practice? I know you're, I know you're slinging oh, batting practice. Listen, bro. If, this, <laughs> if, if, if I'm midway, if I'm midway through the rotation, I might mix in some curveballs. and yeah. some loose, but you no, get the kid, I, I know you know, feel, feeling it tomorrow. You can't do it to the kid who like is on the fringe of getting cut or like the kid who needs to grind to make it. But you got one of the kids, you're like, all right, this kid's a stud. I'm gonna mess with him. Like pitch number five, yes. you just sl- Correct. little slider. He's like, Oh, throws out his back. Yeah. See it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. hundred percent. I'm, I'm already, I've already got a few in my mind that I'm going to be yeah, I'm, I'm going to throw him curveball second pitch. So That's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Uh, good stuff, Kyle, as always. I'll add to my last words, Yankees run line. If you're hearing this before 1 o'clock on Thursday, Yankees run line, you win that, you double down on the Mets money line against the Nationals later on in the day. New York baseball up for an electric oh. year. Let's start it off with an electric opening day, baby. Let's ride. Uh, and shout out to Mehmet Core for my 07, my 06, 07 jazz. The Meadow Core OG Stretch Five, is that what I'm hearing? Oh, is he is he the original? I don't know if he's OG, but uh, it, back in like NBA Live, like 06, always draft my Meadow Core. Just oh. rain like five threes a game with him. Anyways, Subway Sports <laughs> Talk for Kyle Anderson. I'm Pete Kennedy. Thank y'all for listening. As always, hit us up on Apple Podcast app with a subscribe, a rate, a review it means the world to us. Shout out to you. Happy opening day, baby. <laughs>